Yeah, I feel like we can frame it for anyone listening as uh, this is sort of the final form of your characters. So um, presumably everyone has survived to this point and will be a part of the final battle. Time will tell. Uh, And some of you may not even know where the other people have been. So, But in your travels, all of you have picked up enough experience to reach level 20, which is what you are. And so you've got some new cool shiz to talk about. So why don't you tell us a little bit, uh, each of you, about like where you've ended up with your character. Uh, if you made any choices that had to do with like actual character growth throughout the the adventure, that would be cool if, that, if you want to talk about that. But if you didn't, that's okay too. We'll leave it at that. And I'm going to keep working on stuff in the background. Um, Mace Core has had an incredible journey um in terms of his stats he's ended up with 118 let me just see let me get those stats stuff up ended up with 118 hit points um he is very proficient in dexterity and survival and animal handling uh and stealth um He's got a plus four on dex, a plus two on strength, a plus one on constitution, plus one on intelligence, plus three on wisdom, and a zero on charisma. It was down from an, uh, it's up from a negative one previously. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So he's getting a little bit more charismatic. Um, from the first, you know, he's really grown. I think as a character, he was very much like very against orcs and stuff like that. And you know, he sees there's more nuance there, and that people are not as bad as what he faced as a child and got to reconnect with family got to um do a lot of really cool stuff in the hearth and i think i think it just he he grew as a a a person and now he's you know leading the host of the dragonborn even though he's not king so um i think he's come a, a pretty long way and hopefully get to use some of the cool level 20 stuff about um that he's he's grown into be so there's that Okay. Uh, we'll go with Dresden next. Uh, so Dresden is no longer a warlock, uh, assuming he's alive. We, we don't know. Uh, he uh, made his deal with Matarua. He collected enough souls. He ran into Zoe and uh, the last little bit of paper on his, on uh, their, they were killing people together. And the last uh, name on a list on a piece of paper was his own name. So um, I think he like, he, Jumped off. I think he jumped off a cliff. Was also stabbed. Maybe I can't remember exactly how he died. But he he died, and he uh, he cleared his debt with so Monaro. Beheaded. <laughs> I don't think he was beheaded. I think oh he- no, he like had something severed from him. Oh, they they did all kinds of weird stuff to your body after <laughs> he died. Yeah. I think the I think the fall did you in though. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the um, fall. It was the landing. Well, true. <laughs> no, it was also the fall though. He fell from pretty high up. Um. Yeah, and uh, he was so shocked after five <laughs> seconds of unmitigated falling that he had a heart attack. attack. <laughs> but it was only a minor one. It was the massive blunt force trauma from the ground that, that actually that, got that you. Killed him. Uh, but when he was meeting with Matarua, you know, she uh, helped him like open a portal, and they were gonna. She was gonna like go help him because I think she told him that her, her, his friends were in danger. But then he just kind of like she pushed him like off, and he's just like hurling, like falling. So I don't really know what's going on with that. But assuming he survives, um, he's got 160 uh, hit points. Um, he's got a plus one for strength, a plus four for dex, a plus four for constitution, a plus four for intelligence, a plus three for wisdom, a zero for for charisma, really good with history and investigation checks. Uh, he's got a bunch of new spells. Everyone should be happy to know that Fireball is back. So oh, yes. you know, that's back. Steer clear. Steer clear. And a bunch of cool things. Uh, there's like a time one where I can like stop time. Um, the thing that the lich did, the power word kill. I think he's got that spell now at the level twenty. Um, there's one where I can just like burn people with the sun. Um, a bunch of really cool things. Uh, so yeah, that should be. Uh, hopefully, I get to use some of those. And uh, Dude, are we how also- many like spell slots do w- wizards have at level twenty? Is it like a shit ton? Uh, so I've got one for nine, one for eight, two for seven, two for six, and everything else is three or three or higher. Oh, nice! Sick. Yeah, and that's. You want to go, Keegan, or should I? Felosiol. 
is now at 170 hit points. God damn. As the fighter. Wow. Uh, Are you the tankiest of us of us all? I think I, sh- I should be because I roll a d10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you said 170. Yeah. That. What, I'm a ranger. What's score at? A ranger. No, I, mean, I meant hit point wise. Oh, 118. So not yeah. super great. Yeah. So 170 hit points. Uh, my strength is plus five. Dexterity plus three. Constitution two. Intelligence one. Wisdom three. Charisma zero. So we are not a very charismatic group still. <laughs> I don't think... Okay, speak for yourself. Um, I got two new spells. I went up to a level five in Druid, a level 15 in Fighter. Um, so I got two level three spells, which I have as Summon Animals and Water Walk. But yeah, that's me. What did you... I, I think probably your journey is likely the, the least everyone should know about. Yeah. But is there... Is there anything you learned? No. To live, laugh, okay. and love. Good. <laughs> I <Nice>. traveled through <laughs> some celestial planes. Wow. Mm. Amazing. And and back in our universe. If you had to name a most memorable plane. God, I don't know. Why Why would it be li- the kingdom of Licky Splicky? I was about to say. I don't know. We did have the Endless Taverns. That was pretty fun. <laughs> I, i'm just working my my way now through the endless taverns it's so funny the but the author might have been the best plane the author was a very disturbing that was a little trippy even as a player yeah. i confused myself on that one i believe it yeah <laughs> um but uh. yeah so felocial's back in the world that everyone else is in or on the plane that everyone else is in at this point all right well, Flint is, um, I, I think the best way to describe him is thick and squishy. Uh, we got a modest 104 hit points. Oh. So out of the bunch, I'm definitely the squishiest. Uh, luckily, I'm very elusive. I now have a plus 16 to, my, mm-hmm. <laughs> to stealth <laughs> oh my God. Uh, because, of, uh, because of my 18 dexterity and all that proficiency stuff. Uh, so I've got a plus two to strength. I decided to pick up an extra, uh, I was at a 13 strength. So I decided to just tack another point on there, which meant that like everything else was at an even number. So I didn't really get much out of my last two attribute points or my last attribute point. But anyway, uh, let's see, we got a plus two to strength, a plus four to dexterity. Uh, we've just got a zero to constitution and intelligence plus three to wisdom and plus three to charisma. So, you know, not totally uncharismatic. Uh, as far as stuff I got from leveling up, being a rogue, Slippery Mind, I have proficiency in wisdom saving throws now, which is kind of nice because I've got a zero modifier to wisdom. Stroke of Luck is just kind of broken. At 20th level, you have an uncanny knack for succeeding when you need to. If your attack misses a target within range, you can turn the miss into a hit. Oh my just, gosh. Just turn it wow. just turn it into a hit. You never miss uh well once per short or long rest. Uh alternatively, uh if you fail an ability check, you can treat the D20 roll as a 20. Oh. So I can just turn an ability check into a nat 20. Useful. Dang. Is that yeah. once per or once per short or long rest? That's great. So that's crazy. I don't know how many times I probably will only get to use that once. Uh, I would imagine so in this sort of end game. So I need to, if I know me playing any other RPG, I will finish the game having not used it. <laughs> <laughs> I will see the end credits roll with the best items yet to be oh, used. Oh shit! I should have used that. Um. I think that out of all of the Great Divide quests, Flint learned the most. He learned about friendship. Mm. He learned about the meaning of friendship. Certainly not to any of you. It was mostly to Jeffrey the Phoenix, with whom (laughs) he was reunited. uh, And they just get along so well. We got Jeffrey out of, well, 
I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. Wait, are we that far in? Maybe. I don't know. doesn't matter. He learned about friendship and... Family. Uh, family. Like Vin Diesel. <laughs> I was going to say, now family. he's a star in a movie series about Fast and Furious Carts. And family. And family. <laughs> Your family. Um, so, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's making his way downtown, is how I'll describe what Flint's doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like the Gaia Hammer is... Something, Pond. yeah. Well, I guess we'll hear about that when things get rolling. Alex, you said that Flint is making his way downtown. Mm-hmm. Is he walking, walking fast, fast? Faces passes, and he's homebound. We don't want to get copyrighted, guys. We're really good at singing, so I'm worried about the AI. That's true, actually. Yeah, when when suddenly when people shazam that song. Uh, on their phone, it's going to pull up our episode of our podcast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the plan will work then. Can't wait to use all these new skills and spells and stuff. Yeah, what are you? Uh, what are you most forward looking looking forward to using? Well, at level twenty, I can use at at any turn. I can use my wisdom modifier to do to add to the attack, or the roll, or the actual damage. Oh, nice! So that's pretty cool. At 18, I can, I have a pre-natural sense that helps fight creatures that I can't see. So if they're my favorite enemy, so I can see them. I also haven't used this, but this was well before 18. Um, when a hostile creature misses me with a melee attack, I can use my reaction to force that creature to repeat the same attack against another creature or other than itself of my choice. So I have not used oh, that's that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have not used that at all. Um, and then I got another spell slot, and I I chose a couple of cool spells. I will say two other things. So one, because of my roguish archetype being a thief, and the other uh, just being a rogue. I get thief's reflexes. When you reach level 17, you become adept at laying ambushes and quickly escaping danger. You can take two turns during the first round of any combat. Which, coupled with uh, cunning action, is like a lot of actions in the first round. Yeah. That's two attacks and like... Essentially, like, I could run, stealth, sneak attack, run, stealth, sneak attack, all in my first round. Uh, which is would be pretty interesting. Um, also, just for being a rogue... Uh, at 18th level, you're so evasive that attacks rarely gain the upper hand against you. No attack roll has advantage against you while you aren't incapacitated. So, even if I'm, like, stuck oh. in a gelatinous cube, nothing gets advantage on me. Nice. Which is pretty interesting. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So. There's a spell that I have, and I wasn't... I didn't fully realize it, but... Um, it's called Time Stop, and uh, when I when I play it, it says you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take one d four plus one turns in, in a row, during which you can use actions and move as normal. Um, so I think I can like at some point I could like stop time and get like potentially five extra turns if I'm reading that correctly. Like, like, in a row to do things, which would be pretty cool. I need to, okay, l- let me just clarify on my, like, turn thing as far as these reflexes. So you take your first turn at your normal initiative, you take your second turn at your initiative minus 10. So it's not, like, two subsequent turns unless you... Everyone That's probably the only bad. time... <laughs> well, I was going to say, <laughs> it's probably the only time where rolling a one or, yeah. mm. in initiative would be beneficial... Because you get two mm. back-to-back turns at that point. You can't use this feature when you're surprised, though. It's the only thing. Soiled it. Soiled it. Holy moly, gang. We are almost all the way through this story. Can you believe it? It's been three years in real time. 
And when my friends and I started playing this game, we didn't know how to play the game. We were looking for a new social opportunity during COVID, and it has blossomed into something super fun. And hopefully you have enjoyed it along the way if you've been listening. I hope that you find the end of this story super satisfying, super exciting. And I am sure that you're going to have some questions if you listen to the whole thing. Number one, why did I listen to that? Great question. You're going to have to answer that one yourself. But if you have any questions about the story, about our team, about anything about our game and this podcast, please, please let us know. You can find our Twitter handle and our email address in the show notes, and we would really love to hear from you. We will be doing some sort of wrap-up Q&A at the end of this adventure. If you've been enjoying this show as you've been listening along, then it would really help us out if you could give us a rating and a review wherever you're listening to the podcast, because that will help other people find our show who might enjoy it just like you have. As always, we do want to thank our current patrons on our Patreon, Junior, Johanna, and Mario. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can find all kinds of good stuff there. You can find information about how to join that in our show notes as well. Now, without further ado, let's get you back to the adventure and the final chapter of The Fate of Finrodel. We're going to start with Philosiel. And... We're not going to hear from Philosiel, but we're going to see her. She is on the deck of a sailing ship. And it's a ship that we've all seen before called the SS Thornberry. Oh, shit. Mm. Oh, man. And it is sailing through a harbor uh, between two spits of land coming from a small island that had that once housed an ancient lighthouse. And on the deck beside her we see Piper and we see Luke and Lou and Langford from the Horn. We see a tall orc paladin. We see Justin Pinkerton. We see Burke. And the Thornberry is also flanked on its starboard side by the OS Spitfire, captained by Captain Rogers, along with Traeger Bellamy and Jacoby <gasps> Darlington. Oh, shit. And they are all sailing to the northwest. Macecor, you arrived some time ago at Vulcan Point, and when you arrived, there was already a base camp set up in the edge of the woods facing the coast. And even from the edge of the woods, you can see the glow from the active volcano at the end of the island chain, as well as uh, lights of the machinations of war that are happening on the islands. Scouts have given you a fairly detailed report on what the island chain looks like, what Zargon is planning, and it sounds like he is still mustering his troops. And remember, you are trying to create this opportunity to pin Zargon in before the new moon, because the new moon would aid his ability to move across Finrodel rapidly, given that so many of his dark creatures uh, are not allergic to the light, but they despise the light. Uh Uh, They are creatures of darkness. And so you arrive with your great host, and Lanira is thrilled to see you, and she greets you with open arms. And Lanira and Nim invite you to set up your tent next to theirs, so Ivy has a tent, you have a tent, they have a tent. Um, There are some other folks who are also here. Um, In Lanier's camp, she has several of the members of Greenhall's uh, Conclave of Druids, including Malsi, Abalaba, Andrasta, and Nim. There's the army of Dragonborn led by Ivy. Uh, Juniper has ridden along, as well as Yara, your sister, and... Uh, Draxar, Greenback, and Droll. Also in your army are Bombay Safarina and Pirulina Firestorm. Fartros stayed behind. He is uh, sort of the steward of the city of the hearth while you're gone. Right, right, right. And in addition to your army, you have arrived with dragons. How many did you end up with? I think we'll say seven with your one that was the leader. And your dragons immediately become part of the scouting team for this army in the preparations. And so they take turns flying over these islands. Now they have to be careful 
as you learn from the scouts that uh, Lanira had already sent out in druid forms. Several of the druids who were flying over and around these islands were shot at by various contraptions, including chain bolas and net guns and things of that nature that could bring down something as large as a dragon. Plus, there is some suspicion that some of the large sort of barns and, and barracks that have been built, they have what appear to be hinges on the ceilings, which makes the scouts afraid that there could be something airborne that will be emerging from those at the moment of battle. Uh, there are a couple of uh, other folks who have joined, a bunch of people from Call College that were also in Green Hall. So you see uh, in your time there, you see Dean Minerva Spellgood and her husband Lyle Spellgood and Zane and Xander, their sons, are by their side. Professor Professor Smith and his team of campus surveillance gnomes have taken up residence. Donald McDougal, uh, Officer Jerry, wielding a shimmering yes. steel clipboard. And yes. Miranda Fleasel oh, yeah. with her stun baton. Petra Glyph, Bella Choir, uh, who is zooming around on a flying Swiffer mop next to William Herschel and Beatrice Lenormal. Uh, Lara Board is astride a black unicorn. And How about Jackie Talladega, normal human person? I'm getting there. <laughs> uh, Gladys, the, the cafeteria worker, <gasps> cafeteria. is wheeling a cart around with oh. a chafing dish full of tater tots. Oh tots. my god. Jackie Talladega, yeah. who is now in full vampiric garb with his long fangs clearly showing, is walking around camp as well. Making everyone fucking nervous. Uh, Barry Plopper from the bookstore is not there. Oh. 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 He got ripped to shreds <laughs> by giants, I think. Uh, trolls. <laughs> Sniggly oh, Rats, Elvira, and Michael Scarn are all there, but clearly just to provide moral support. They're sort of dawdling around, and uh, they're kind of helping where bits and bobs might be needed, and Professor Sniggly Rats repairs a wobbly wheel on Gladys's cart while you're watching, and Elvira keeps telling everyone that she told you this would happen, pointing toward the growing <laughs> doom in the north. <laughs> Ali Doiswin is in in his mech suit along with Fabius and Damien, both now housed in separate steampunk Iron Man suits. Each of them seems to have a glowing crystal file at its heart that contains their souls. Their voices yeah. sound just as mechanical as before. And some of the students from Call College are here as well. Brian Books, Bucky, and Burley. Oh, um, and yeah. the rest of Burley's band of bards, formerly known as Raccoon Possum. Yeah, they play, <laughs> Raccoon yeah. Possum. And they play haunting battle hymns and keep uh, the spirits aloft in camp. Glenda Goodwitch and Sabrina Teenage Witch are both dressed in full gothic witch garb. And Dom and Nick, your roommates that you never really got to know, are both there in their rugby outfits wielding wooden clubs. In addition to the folks from Call College, you see a different type of tent on the far side of the camp where the dwarves have set up. And there you see Branthos, who's the king of Gold Hill City, has arrived with a train of carts pulled by what appear to be yetis. And out of the carts come Marjorie Smith, Ben Oakgazer, the butler... And new owner of the Smith Estate, Orlin. Oh. Fa Father Shep Hurd, Sylvia Martson, the bartender from Termic, who Mayscore once had a bit of a love interest with. Complicated. It's gonna get messy at the at the battle. <laughs> Tom Underneath, who was the local dwarven smith from Termic, has joined Orsic in a, a makeshift blacksmith shop along with Andrasta, and they're creating and honing weapons for folks. And one of the yetis appears to be in charge of the others and is conspicuously missing several of the fingers on one of his hands. God and damn it. there's just a couple of other folks that are from Old Port who have arrived as well, including Captain Pykel and uh, Serena Harbormaster, uh, or Serena the, Har the Harbormaster. And a bunch of the guards from all of the towns as well. There are Smithingtons and Barringtons and Clothingtons as far as the eye can see. <laughs> So that's that's the layout of this camp. How and many, Mace Corps... Sorry, how many people do you think? Uh, Mace Corps was going to bring the full host of the Dragonborn, and I think... I don't, did we name a number for them? I think 1,500. Them? So 1,500 riders plus seven dragons. Branthos has not brought a lot of people, but appears to have brought a train, a wagon train of machinery 
So those Yetis were pulling artillery, essentially. And uh, between all the other folks, there are maybe an additional 300 soldiers for your army. Uh, a lot of them are magic users from the college and from the Greenhall Druid Enclave. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, Mace Corps, you're feeling relatively good about it, and I think your army sees enough of a alliance of good here to give them hope that their efforts will not go uh, for naught. And you're camped out, and you've had several meetings about strategy, and there's still another day before the 25th day upon which you agreed to meet at Vulcan Point. And Mace Corps, you and Ivy are standing on a grassy knoll at the edge of the forest, looking to the north as the sun sets. You can't really tell if the sun is setting, though, because the skies have been incredibly dark over the last few days. A cloud of ash from the volcano, plus the time of year and the winter setting in, seems to have taken its toll on the daylight. And... In the dying light of the day, Ivy looks over at you, and she says, Well, what do you give our chances, Mace Corps? I, I say we're gonna give them hell. We're much stronger than those, whatever they are. Agreed. You, you want a percentage? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's sort of what I was looking for, but I'm not trying to be pushy. No, no, no. I can do it. Uh, I'm gonna say 85%, but, you know with a lot of luck and clear eyes. As you say that, suddenly the night sky is illuminated by a bright white light. And for a moment, your eyes are struggling to adjust to this brilliant streak that's running through the sky. And can you give me a perception check, please? Eleven. Not great. Not great, but good enough to notice that this white light appears to be an object or objects that are streaking toward the ground. And as this light grows and clarifies, you see that it is some sort of burning, flaming object, and it appears to not just be one, but two. And they seem to have originated far, far away on the horizon and are streaking toward the ground near you. And as you watch, one of those objects hits the ground not a hundred yards from where you're standing, between you and the coast. And the other hits the ground or possibly falls into the ocean straight toward the active volcano. What do you do? Um... Can I yell? Is is it like already impacted like a hundred yards away from me, or is it kind of like can I do something? Yeah. Else? Is it so when it hits, you feel the ground shake just mm -hmm. a bit. You hear what you would expect to hear a sort of loud, almost explosion type sound, mm -hmm. um, and suddenly there are dozens of people around you. Everyone heard this. A bunch of people saw it in the sky. Um, what do you do? Uh, I need, I need the strongest warriors. Come, we need to check this out right now. We hope it's not, uh, anything dangerous. And, um, I take a bunch of, um, the NPCs, dragons, and the NPCs that we discussed. Not all of them, but, like, like yeah. the folks in the mech suits, and they all kind of... I was like, gonna say, Damien walks up beside you as you say that and says, I've got your six. <laughs> Alright, weapons up. And we kind of, like, approach it cautiously, like, with our weapons drawn and, like, shields up. And as you approach, you see that there's a, a sort of a crater. Not a giant one, but a bit of a crater. And there's burned, singed grass all around the edges of it, leading toward it. And as you approach, there doesn't seem to be any imminent threat. And you look over the edge of this crater that's maybe 5 feet deep and 15 to 20 feet across. And laying in the middle of it, curled up as if he's sleeping, you see Dresden. And he's back in his wizard form, no longer looking gothic, uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit less stout physically. 
but the original Dresden Clearstorm that you once knew. Oh my god, Dresden? Uh, and then I, like, uh, I, I kind of wave my hand to be like, you know, the weapons can go away. Um, hey, we, we need a healer down here. Anyone have any, have po- any potions? Um, is he, like, naked, or does he... Oh, uh, no, he's fully clothed. <laughs> fully he seems clothed. to have all of his regular Dresden stuff. Okay. But his dick is out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, like it always Someone was. bring a very long cloth. um nim nim shuffles up to the front of the crowd and and some folks um are sort of told you know this once they hear there's not a threat they sort of head back into camp because they are not you know need to know people so they they aren't going to stick around but nim pushes his way to the front and he takes out uh a little vial and he stoops down next to dresden as does lanira and Nim says, "He's he's incredibly cold. We need to get him inside." Um, let's let let's get him inside quick. And um, Ali Duis went in his mech suit. Uh, I instruct him to. Yeah, yeah. To, he picks him up. Yeah. Right away, Mister Macecor, and he picks him up and walks him back toward your tent. And in the. In the tent, they lay Dresden on a bed, and he seems to be asleep. And Lanira takes a look at him, and she asks for Dean Spellgood to come as well. As a knowledgeable witch herself, she might be able to help. Between the two of them, they do a quick examination. Dresden seems to be fully intact. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with him, but he seems to be under some sort of sleeping draft or some magical sleep whether it's from the fall or it's some sort of magic, but they aren't exactly sure what to do. And Lanira's conclusion is that you should let him sleep for the night and see what happens in the morning. Should I do a med check or no? Um, yeah, well, you can make a medicine check. That's fine. 18. So I'll say this. You take a look at Dresden. You You really check out like his his head and stuff because you're a little worried about him falling from god knows where um god knows where get it dresden <laughs> um, and you can't find anything medically wrong with him but i think what you do is you sit down next to the cot where he's sleeping and i think you talk to him throughout the night wow and something something about the situation tells you that he's in there and maybe he just needs to be woken up and reminded that he's back from wherever he was and he's back in his original body and so you just sit and talk and what do you what do you talk to him about um, at first I, I think I do some like joking jokes about some of the things that we've done and about his accordion and about, um, how I didn't think we we're going to make it through the heist. Um, and then I think as the evening goes on, I get kind of sentimental about all the different things we've been through and about, you know, how much I've seen he sacrificed. Um, and then I kind of fall asleep on him for a little bit and then, um, talk about, kind of what I think we, you know, after all this is over, um, you know, how we can still be friends and uh, what we can do together now that there's no threat of the world ending. And I think when you're you're having that conversation with him, well, it's not a conversation, I guess it's more of a monologue. When you're monologuing at him about that stuff after your snooze, it's getting toward morning hours. And... As has been happening a few times lately, at the very beginning of the morning on this day, just like several others that you've had, the sun peeks out underneath the smog in the sky from the east, and you see a sunbeam hit your tent just for a few minutes. And as the sunbeam shifts just a bit as the sun rises, it climbs down the wall of your tent and... The light from that beam is now cascading onto Dresden. And Dresden, you have been 
experiencing a strange darkness in which you feel very uncomfortable and you've been wandering around looking for information or an exit or anything. It's just been a big black plane. Nothing. Just a, a world of nothingness. But then you see a light coming from one specific direction. What do you do? I think at, at first, uh, Dresden doesn't believe that it's actually there because you've just been wandering in darkness. But after like basically kind of staring at it for a few minutes, um, he'll slowly walk towards the light. Despite what people say, you shouldn't walk towards the light. He's going to walk towards the light. <laughs> he thinks, he thinks at this point, if I'm dead, I'm dead. It is what it is. You know, I shouldn't have trusted yeah. Monarua and he'll just walk towards the light. And Mayscore, I think as the sun beam starts to creep down toward Dresden, you, th- you think for a second that you're seeing some movement behind his eyelids. And I think that that excites you and makes you a little bit anxious. So do you do anything new with that when you see some movement? Oh my god, he's, he's come waking up. Uh, I think I get louder. Um, I kind of shake him a little bit. <laughs> okay. And uh, what are you? What are you yelling at him while you're shaking him? Dresden, Dresden, we gotta go. Come on, wake, wake, wake the hell up. Dresden, as he says, wake the hell up. You open your eyes, and you see Mayscore staring back at you and shaking you violently. <laughs> what do you do? Say, Mayscore, stop, stop shaking me. I. I, I'm up. I'm up. Wait, what are you doing here? Drez, you're up. Where am I? You Where am like I? You... Uh, you, you're, you're at, uh, do you know Vulcan's Point? Uh, you yes. You remember that, that's right? Where... Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, your voice sounds here? different. Is... Oh, you weren't, yeah, I, I may, I finished my contract with Madaruba and I'm back. I'm not a warlock anymore, but hold on, what? I am so... How did I get here? How are you here? Uh, well, I traveled here from Sudradel. Uh, you came in like a... You were a thing in the sky, a flaming ball like a comet. And you landed on the ground. And here you are. I And, you know, you something-something was out, so I had to put that... <laughs> I don't know what happened, but that's... It, it was out hanging. Everyone saw it, Dresden, so... Just FYI, every everybody. People were were impressed though, right? They, you know. Um, I, I saw a couple of shocked, a couple of uh, smirks. I think I think there was some impressed there. Uh, I, it's it's first off, it is great to see you. I think I'm gonna try to. Can I stand up? Okay, am I? Am I like? Yeah. If I yeah, you okay. feel fine. Great. I'm gonna stand up. And I'm gonna give him a hug. Um, and say it's great to see you. I, and then say I, I, I'm so lost. I was, you know, with Matarua and filling my my quest and and trying to uh, trying to get all the names off the list. You remember the list? I told you about the list, right? Oh yeah, I remember. And uh, and, uh, and then next thing I know, I'm just I was having a conversation with her, and then I was just falling, and and I was on this plane, and. It was all darkness, and I saw this light, and I said, "I'm gonna go towards the light," and that's where that's where we are. Oh my goodness, Mayscore, it is so good. I cannot tell you, it is so good to see you. Uh, it's good to see you too. I'm glad you're you're. It seems like you're okay. Uh, we have a lot. Oh, to I, catch I, up I on. feel fine. Yes. Um, tell me, have you have you seen Flint, and do you know anything of Felosio? I I don't. I, I think Flint is gone forever. Uh, and uh, Felosio, I, I keep the faith that she's alive, but, you know, I kind of went on just you and me trying to save this thing. Well, well, I... I Do you know anything about that's... them Wait, when you were with no. Rua? No, I, I did not see anything. I, 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 I know Flint probably is, you know, not coming back, given how he reacted and... and I, I just I hope that Flo is okay because we're going to need all the help that we can get. Well, I have the whole army of dragonborn here. Uh, oh my gosh! Do you have dragons? Uh, I sure do. 
Oh, then we are in a good spot, I think, Mayscore. Well, let, let's hope. And all our friends from around the adventures that we've had are here, too. Ready to fight. Excellent. I would like to, to meet them and, and, and familiarize myself with the camp. I think I'm going to, you know, uh, just make sure that my, my junk is put away properly. And then uh, I'll, I'll tour, I'll tour the, the little uh, campgrounds that we have. Excellent. Macecore, I think Lanier's tent being next to yours and Ivy on the other side of you, I think both of them would have heard you talking to Dresden. And as they heard voices, they came to your tent. And so as the two of you get ready to head out through the front flaps, Lanira's head pokes in and she gasps as she sees you, Dresden. And she says, Dresden Clearstorm, we thought that we may have lost you. It's very good to see you back on your feet. Yes, I I felt as though maybe I was lost at one point too, but I am here and I thank you for, for helping me and waking me up and I am ready to fight. And Ivy is standing next to her. She comes a few seconds later and she walks straight up to you, Dresden, and uh, throws her arms around you and says, It's so good to see you. I, I, You gave us a real shock last night. How the hell did you get so high up in the sky? How did you not die from that? I, it's good to see you, and I, I wish I could tell you, but I, I don't know. I, I was talking with a goddess of death, and then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm here. So, I, I couldn't really tell you, but I, I am happy to be here and, and ready to fight. It's very good to see you back to your normal self as well, says Lanira, and. As you walk out through the front flaps, the sunlight has now faded, and it's just another gray day, a very dark gray day here in the battle camp, and, or at Vulcan's Point. I don't think it's called a battle camp. It would be a war camp, if anything, right? Oh, yeah, war camp. That sounds more mm-hmm. badass. And, Dresden, you see the units that we discussed earlier, from Branthos to, and the Yetis to the Call College magic users to the Greenhall druids and then the massive Dragonborn army. And taking it all in gives you a moment where you feel more hope than you have in a long time. And and that's a big shock to you because you haven't felt things like that in a while. And so I think that you've got a flood of emotions that are coming back to you with all these uh, reunions and this flood of hope. Uh, and so I think, I think you just, it's a lot for you to take in. And as, as you're sort of contemplating that, Lanira pulls the two of you aside and says quietly, I think the two of you better come with me to my tent. I have something fairly important that I think you're going to want to grab. And she leads the two of you toward her tent. Dresden's gonna gonna follow behind a little bit just because he's trying to collect himself. Um, I'm gonna obviously follow her too, but I'm gonna go kind of. I'm gonna let Dresden be a little bit behind. Yeah. So the two of you enter into Lanira's tent, and it's it's a giant tent, and actually it's one of those situations where it looks bigger on the inside, and it seems to be made of living trees that are holding up this tent, just like the main hall at Green Hall appeared to be made of living plants, the beams in the ceiling and all that, made of the leaves of the trees. And this this tent is no different. It's just a smaller version. And in the very center of the main hall of this tent, there is a pedestal that appears to be made out of a growing tree trunk. Sycamore, if you had to guess. Or perhaps, perhaps birch. And... On top of this pedestal, there is what appears to be a basin, or a fountain, or a bird bath of some sort. And Lanira gestures for the two of you to walk toward it. This, I think you'll find rather helpful. Nim and I were able to transport some of the pool of knowledge and bring it here with us. And through... The living roots of this tree were able to connect through nature 
to the pool in the grove. And I have not been able to see what you need in this pool, but I suspect that when the two of you look in, you may see something that you could use in this fight. Can we look in? What do you do? Yeah. You look in? Yeah. Yeah. Dresden, when you look in, you see the white staff sitting on the bottom of this basin about two feet under the water. And Macecore, when you look in, you see a gold scepter sitting on the bottom of the basin. Lanira, they're here. The, the weapons, they're here. I thought as much. That's that's incredible. It's incredible magic that you can connect that way. That's astounding. Through Pan, all things are possible. Is this a time to wield them? Seems like as good a time as any. If the pool is showing you, I suspect the time has come to retrieve them. <laughs> Dresden's, Dresden's gonna hold back some tears and <laughs> as he's, he's an emotional wreck and then he's gonna uh, reach his hand in and pull out the staff you reach your hand into the water and instead of being pulled into it this time when you reach your hand in and you grab toward this staff you feel your hand grasp around the shaft of it, and you pull the staff out of the basin. Can I... Also... And Macecore, you reach your hand in toward the gold scepter. And for you, Macecore, when he pulls the staff out, you didn't see the staff. All you're seeing is this scepter. Uh, so it's a little odd. He sort of pulls his hand out, and then suddenly there's a staff there. Because mm. you can see it once it's out of the water. And so you reach your hand in, you grab the scepter, and you feel the cold metal in your hand as you pull it up through the water and it comes out of the water completely dry just like the staff did and you've got the scepter of smoke wow uh dresden we work so hard for these i never thought it'd be actually uh wielding them yes it is it is a strange sensation and i'm not sure uh what to make of it i i hope that they 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 work in in the battle that is to come can we do like a weapons cling, like a like a cheers almost? <laughs> oh my god! I like it. To the end of burial, and I kind of like gently, like do like very a gently. Cling. Yeah, huzzah! Yeah. <laughs> that was Nim. <laughs> and then, the, and then the scepter sh- shatters. <laughs> it's like, damn it! No, oh, it 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 causes. <laughs> Like a nuclear yeah. explosion, just a detonation. <laughs> just there's bright light and no sound. So the two of you have your weapons, and the final day has arrived. The day of meeting, the day of conscription, and a few local forces arrive from cities and towns across Finradell, and they trickle in over these last few days. You don't really see any more people that you specifically know, but you see folks from the Waterdeep Guard. You see folks from uh, cities that you didn't visit on this journey. And the numbers swell just a little bit, probably putting your total right around 2,000, including uh, all the Dragonborn and others. So the Dragonborn are still, you know, the biggest faction of this battle uh, on your side for sure. Now let's let's hop over to Flint. So Flint, you feel this vibration, this warmth, and immediately realize that Felosiel is alive. Uh-huh. From your ring of Rosie. And when that happens, you immediately embark on the journey to Vulcan Point, hoping and praying that it's not too late. And you've got I think you had a, a fairly good number of the Deuces Wild rogues who are going to join you in this effort. Um, and yeah. so when we see this airship taking off, we see the inventor who's sitting at the keys playing and piloting the ship. We see your friend Stony Millbrook and you standing on the, the front of the ship, the, the bow. And we also see on board the airship a few other stragglers who have joined uh, including, uh, well, Jeffrey the Phoenix is there. He's sort of fluttering around the deck, landing on the railing, and occasionally stretching his wings and flying around. 
Uh, he occasionally immolates and comes back, and sometimes he's rehatched in a pile of ash on the deck. Other times you take him back to his comfy cage or whatever box. he was yeah box he was living in he was in like a metal mag- box like some sort of metal magical imbued box and he is he's been growing uh as we discussed on your arc and so he's up to the size of probably an eagle or something at this point wow uh, he's really been getting a good diet um on board the airship much to the consternation of the in- inventor and most of the folks from the deuces wild including stony is also jorma the druid professor from Call College. He had been sent on a mission to Waterdeep, which is fairly near to the Deuces Wild hideout, and upon its completion, he was scouting for ways to get his himself back to Vulcan Point, and he's going to hitch a ride with you, and he's brought along several actual crocodiles from the sewers of Waterdeep, <laughs> which are now his friends. <laughs> Wow, are they like pretty tame or uh people <laughs> are are not happy about it because they're kind of like <laughs> not that tame. And oh god. Jorma's cool with them, but they don't seem super cool with everyone else, so they just kind of have them like in one corner of the ship. Uh Yeah. Yeah, and people are like completely avoiding the the rear of the ship because of that. And uh it seemed like pretty much the entire community of Deuce's Wild like the entire like chapel hall full of people were like, Oh yeah, I guess we are kind of screwed. Maybe we should go do something. So they were also mobilizing too, right? Yeah. And they didn't all fit on the ship. So you've right, got, right, right, right. you have maybe, you know, five or Just six of the best yeah. rogues on the ship, but then the rest of them set out uh, on, on foot and horseback and things like that to get there. So they may be trickling in at some point. Okay. Yeah. And that's all we see with Flint. And so we know Felosial and Flint are on their way. We don't know exactly how far uh, or what time they will arrive. And the new moon is five days away. And Lanira's estimates say that this battle to reach Zargon, who her scouts say is holed up in the fortress deep out in the ocean, is going to take several days. And so the plan is that you all are going to attempt, at least, to start your invasion the next morning. Fighting in the daytime is going to be better for your armies, so that is the plan to generally try to keep your your conflict and your battles to the daytime. And uh, Mace Corey, you have anything to add to the strategy? Invasion is probably going to start the next day. And you and Dresden are part of the conversations about the strategy. Um, Ivy's there. Lanira's there. Branthos is there. Dean Spellgood is there. Um, did I miss anybody? I think I covered all the factions there. Um, yeah. And, and then there are obviously, uh, there's sort of like a makeshift system of rankings in this military. Um I don't know, uh, do you guys want to come up with what those actual rankings are so that you guys can get titles as soldiers in this army? Oh, I would love a title. Alright, why don't you come up with it? Tell me what your titles are and... I want to be Sergeant Major. Sergeant Major Clearstorm. That's it. Okay. I, I just feel like, yeah, okay, alright. Oh, oh, this is pretty good. Um, Sergeant Major is high up there. No? Wing... It's an enlisted rank, though, so now you're just, like, taking God orders there, Bo. <laughs> I'm gonna be... No, 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 this is a fantasy world. It's a high rank. <laughs> okay, there. Yeah, there it is. Wing Commander. Oh, Wing Commander. that's good. Even though we can't fly. That's it's, good. A, it's a British Air Force thing, but... Nice. Yeah. Wing Commander. I yeah. love it. And because you brought the Air Force, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've got Wing Commander, Mace Corps, and we've got... Uh, Sergeant Major Clearstorm and, uh, or I guess you'd be Wing Commander Isirian, which is pretty cool. Uh, so the two of you are sitting in on the first, on the, on the final strategic meeting as you are all preparing to launch your invasion in the morning. And Lanira stands in front of the room. Uh, she stands at her seat at the round table in her tent 
where she's sitting alongside Nim and Ivy and Draxar and Droll are there and you're there, Macecore, and Dresden's there, Branthos and Dean and Lyle Spellgood and uh <laughs> oh god. Uh what's his name? Jackie Talladega? Yeah. Uh yeah, he's even he's there. Uh, because he is a powerful ally. And Lanira addresses the room in a solemn tone and says, The prerogative is clear. Our goal is to push onto these islands, creating a path for ourselves, and particularly for Macecore and Dresden to reach Zargon's throne, which, as our scouts have told us at great cost, is on the final island with the active volcano. And so our armies must push through the bridges, push through the gates, and seal off one island at a time. It appears that the outer island should be the easiest to take, though it is where Zargon appears to be housing many of his lower creatures, his undead scum of the earth. We will send them to hell where they belong. After we take the first island, we move on to the second. Exactly what waits for us there, we do not know. But Macecor, with the help of your dragons, and Dresden, Dean Spellgood, with your magic, we should be able to fight our way to that island. And once we reach that island, the goal will be in sight. We must reach the throne room. Does anyone have any questions? Uh, Wing Commander Isirian here. Um... Should we detach and potentially see if we can get to the throne room while you hold off his, uh, at a certain point while, while you continue to distract the forces? Our scouts have reported back that there's really only two ways to reach the throne room. One would be from the sky, but we know that it is heavily protected against aerial attacks. Several of our scouts were lost scouting the final island as the aerial defense systems brought them down into the ocean. Or worse. We also know that he may have flying beasts of his own to combat ours. We, we can only pray, and we have hope, that they may not be as strong as your dragons. The other way to reach the throne is on foot, across the bridge, along the stairs, and to the top of the plateau. That is where Zargon sits, it is not heavily reinforced beyond the island before the bridge. If we can push our way onto that final bridge, we should be able to reach the throne room on foot, and the aerial defense systems will be little inhibition for our advance. All right, so we just have to slog through. It seems that way. It sounds like a good plan. I hope everyone's ready for it. It's certainly a plan. Everyone at the table has their marching orders and goes to prepare their subordinates and pass down the word of which units will be lining up where. And all of you, along with pretty much every named character <laughs> in the game, will be obviously on the front lines of this assault. And we march at dawn. Right, 5 a.m. tomorrow, guys, right? Oh, God. Mm. Uh, you know what? It could be the end of the world. Let's sleep until 9. Ha-ha! <laughs> uh, all right, cool. I think that's a good break point for now. And we'll, Beautiful. we'll actually get into it next time. This is exciting. Oh, I'm very excited. I can't believe it's actually here. <laughs>